I want to share with you a passage of scripture from out of Psalm 78. Listen to these words and see and hear its uh, focus on family and nurture of children and youth. Psalm 78, beginning in verse 1. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things that we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell them to the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our ancestors to teach to their children so that the next generation would know them, even children yet to be born. They would in turn tell their children, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commandments. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these powerful words. We pray now, Lord, that they would come alive. Help us to know how we can be a people who share with the generations to follow us your story so that they might know and trust you. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, have you ever had one of those mornings? You ever had one of those mornings? And more, this day was one of those mornings for me. Uh, got up out of the bed and I thought, man, it's hot in this house. And sure enough, the air conditioner wasn't working. I tried to troubleshoot, but didn't do any good, and so I left Patty in a hot house, and so she came a little bit later. Then I went to the refrigerator to get a glass of orange juice because, after all, it's hot in the house. Uh, in front of the, the, the orange juice in the refrigerator was a bowl, and on top of that bowl was a container of guacamole. And I pulled it out, and guess what happened to guacamole? <laughs> It landed smat and squash right on the floor. I thought, how am I going to get this up? I thought I could just wipe it up, but I thought a spatula. So I got a spatula out, Patty. So if you saw a spatula in the sink, that's what it was. Threw that uh, guacamole in, the, in the, the trash can, cleaned it up as best I could, and thought, now surely my day will get better. So I went to get in my car to come to church, and there on the seat of my car was a half-melted Jolly Rancher. Hey, guys, I'm wearing white pants today, you know? Gosh, what a morning. It got it off to a start. Well, some 39 years ago, Patty and I had another kind of morning that absolutely changed our lives. It was early on a Saturday morning. We took a trip to the hospital, and then in the early afternoon, there was this little boy who had entered into the world, and he sucked in his first breath. And from that point forward... Our lives were different, changed dramatically. Now, at that point, I thought, I'm really not quite sure how to do this to be a dad and to raise this little boy so that he'll be a godly child. But I thought, man, I got a lot of time. Well, guess what? The time quickly passed by. Thirteen years ago, on June 24th, Patty and I received a call from that same boy that had been born much earlier saying that our first granddaughter, Anastasia Grace, had been born. And once again, our lives changed radically. 
Now we were grandparents, a little granddaughter to love and to care for. And so we took on this new role. And you know what the role of a grandparent is? To spoil the grandchildren. Pure and simple, spoil the grandchildren. That's what it's about. Those of you who haven't made it to grandparenthood yet, spoil the grandchildren. That's what it's all about, spoiling the grandchildren. Matter of fact, if I had it to do over, I'd skip children and go straight to grandchildren. <laughs> Any amens to that who are grandparents in here? Okay, I see a hand back there. I see, your, I see that witness. I see that testimony. Man, raising children, trying to raise good and godly kids. What you heard in Psalm 78 is a huge challenge given to us regarding raising our children. Will we raise good and godly children? Will our children come to know the story of God and live into that story? Will they experience the fullness of life that God intends them to have? You know, our children and youth of this day are living in a world which seems like endless possibility. The sky is the limit. Maybe really the sky's not the limit if uh, Sir Richard and Musk and Bezos get their way and, you know, we get uh, uh, crafts that are soaring beyond the Earth's atmosphere. Maybe they can even go beyond the sky. But it seems that our children can be nearly anything you can imagine in this world. Our children can be successful. Our youth can grow up to be, to be folks who, who make an impact on this world and make a huge difference. Our children and youth can grow up to be women and men of God who truly love God fully and influence their generation and the generation to follow them. Our children have a world a possibility. But while our children and youth are living in a world filled with possibility, there's also a very dark side that our children face. A dark side that can often bring suffering and great pain. You see, in the world in which our children and youth are growing up, they are confronted with cultures of violence. They may be the bullied or the bully. They may associate with groups where they get shot at or are the shooter. They may find themselves in situation going down a path where they inflict self-pain and even death. In their world, they'll be confronted with addictions that can rob them of their freedom and make them slaves, captive slaves, hopelessly enslaved. A seemingly innocent experiment that someone else promises will bring ecstasy can start them down a path of struggle, pain, and bondage. They can be absolutely robbed of all the positive possibilities our world can offer. In their world, they will face challenges to long-held fundamental values that can cause them to question their true identity and the true meaning of life. This pathway following these alternative values will lead many into great confusion, pain, damaged relationships, and hopelessness. Many will experience emotional dysfunction that will lead awake of confusion, disruption, and anxiety that will haunt them throughout their lives. 
Many of our children and youth will be offered a pseudo-love that promises much but only delivers destructive, broken relationships that cause living on earth to be the equivalent of living in hell. The stakes couldn't be higher. I want you all to know the stakes couldn't be higher. The great high calling of God into the endless possibilities of making a difference, of living a life that's fulfilled, or facing the darkness of this existence. We play such an important role in our children and our grandchildren and the children who are part of our faith community. We play such an important role in their lives. The stakes are high. Psalm 78 presents us with this challenge of instructing and nurturing the next generation and the generation to follow. The psalmist reminds his readers that they have been beneficiaries of their predecessors, of their forebears who shared with them the story of God, who shared with them what God wants and what God desires who shared with them the love of a father from heaven and then calls them to share it with the next generation and the one to follow. You know, in many ways, our children start this world with kind of this blank slate. Now, I know that there are genetic markers and there are things we're born with that do influence our personalities and what we become and such. But in large part, we have sort of this blank slate in which we are born, our children are born with. And then life begins riding on that blank slate, determining who those children will become. And there's a lot of things, a lot of authors who long to write on that slate that our children have. As people of faith, we have this huge responsibility in writing the story of God onto that slate. And if parents, grandparents, and other people in the lives of our children and youth are not writing that story of God onto the slate, then likely something else will be written there. And what may be written, and probably will be written, will be a distortion and even an aversion to the truth, to the things of God. The psalmist makes it clear that this role that we play in teaching the next generation the story of God, teaching the next generation what God's expectations are, teaching the next generation the wonders that God has performed, that doing that must be intentional. It must be intentional. The parent who says, oh, I'll get around to it, they're likely never to get around to it because we must be intentional. In our homes and families, if we fail to be intentional in setting aside our time, energy, and efforts and resources to nurture our children, that slate will not have the story of God written on it. But the other authors will write their stories. And none are a good substitute for the ultimate value and effect of God's story and design.
We've got to be intentional. Intentional. You probably have noticed on our table some marbles in a jar. And Chrissy is going to share with us a video what that's all about. And you'll hear these words intentional as she shares. Listen now to this. Perhaps you've been wondering why we have marbles on our altar. Well, the marbles represent time and time that we have with our kids. This jar represents a baby who's just been born. You have approximately 936 weeks from birth to graduation. By the time your child starts kindergarten, you're down to 676 weeks. In middle school, you're already at 342 weeks. And those of you with a senior probably already know that you have less than 53 weeks with your kids. This isn't to make you sad or to stress you out. This is to let you know that time goes quickly. It seems like a long time in the beginning, but it moves so fast. And we have to be intentional with our time. Intentional in what we teach our kids and what we lead them to. So the idea of the marbles is to remind us as parents that faith is an important part of who we want our children to be and that it is important that we bring them to faith and we teach them our faith stories. After all, from birth to graduation, that leaves you with 18 Christmases, 18 Easter's, 18 summers. Make the most of those times and be really intentional with your time. As a church, as parents, teaching our faith is one of the most important things we can give to our kids. Bringing them to church, doing follow-up at home, when families work together with the church, that is where we have the opportunity to make the biggest impact time over time. Well, time is short. The need is urgent to raise and nurture our children. The great news is that throughout that process, you know, some of you may have... Uh, not start it early with your kids. Start where you are. Start now and start that process because it is so very, very important in nurturing our children in the ways of God and in that story. How do we do it, though? How do we go about raising good and godly children? What does it mean to be intentional? What are the ways that we do that? This morning I want to suggest four things. Four things. Try to keep it kind of simple. The first is probably the most important, and it is to model what it means to be a person who has faith in Jesus. To model it. If you're a parent, or if you're a grandparent, do your children see and hear you praying? Do they ever see you opening up the Bible and reading it? Do your children see you serving others, and do you invite them to go along with you to serve others? Do your children see how you curse your neighbor or how you love your neighbor as yourself? Closely associated with this is another important practice in our lives, is introducing and practicing in our household those spiritual exercises that make a difference. Do you take time as a family to have prayer together or family devotions? 
Do you as a family do those exercises that make a difference? Do you share with your children or your grandchildren resources that helps them to develop their faith? My little six-year-old granddaughter, she loves to get a hold of my uh, phone because on my phone I have the Bible app for children. On my iPad I have that. And she loves to play those games that tell the stories of God. The other thing that I want to mention now is one that's really close to my heart. And it is nurturing our children in the community of faith, bringing our children I'll just say it the way it was when I grew up. Bringing your children to church. Bringing your children to church. Our children need to feel that church, this place, among this body of believers, is a fun place to be and is home. When they come, they need to feel at home in these hallways, in these rooms, in every place, in everything that we do. They need to feel like they are a part that plays a critical role in their faith development and understanding the story of God. You see, as a church, we believe that parents and grandparents and surrogates who are raising their children, they are not alone. We are in this together in sharing the story of God. And it's so critical, so critical to bring children to church. You know, in all likelihood, if a parent or a grandparent doesn't do that, there's a high likelihood children will not be introduced to church. Maybe a neighbor can do it. Maybe an uncle aunt can do it. But those are rare. Those are exceptions to the rule. It's such a critical role for parents. My dad, who is now 87 years old, I've heard him say this many times. He said, I don't have to decide whether or not I'm going to church on Sunday morning. He said, I made that decision a long time ago. And guess what? When I was a boy, my sister was a little girl, and my brother was, was coming into this world. We didn't have to decide on Sunday morning where we were going because Dad had already made that decision for us. Now, he didn't make that decision as an autocrat who said, you've got to go to ch church or else, but he made it as a loving father who wanted his children to know God and to be nurtured in the context of a faith community where their faith would be real, their relationship with God would be genuine, and it would make a difference in their lives. And I want to tell you, I am grateful that my dad had already made that decision. The final way I want to mention about raising up godly and good children is we need to set the right goals for our children and youth. The right goals. This is in the home and this is also in the church where this is important. Now there are a lot of good goals that we can set for our children. You know, like getting a great education, having a well-paying job, uh, marrying a wonderful spouse, being able to care for oneself once you're out of the home, and maybe most importantly, that that child never moves back into the home. I think I heard an amen somewhere there. But the psalmist gives us an even higher goal, something more important. And he said that the goal should be that the children come to trust in God. 
They know the story so well. They live into that story and they trust God fully. Is that your goal for your children? Is that goal for your grandchildren? Is that the goal that you have for your neighbor's children? What little influence you may have? That, that they might know and love and trust God. These four things that I've just mentioned, by the way, are not some kind of checklist. I've done this. But if you read closely the Bible and you read this psalm and you read throughout the Old Testament and you read into the New Testament, you find that these are to be integrated into life in such a way that these are the very way of life. They're integrated into each day, each week, each moment as we raise and nurture our children. We model what it's like to follow Jesus. We practice with our children, our grandchildren, these practices, these exercises of faith. We raise them up in the faith community. We bring them into the faith community. And we set this godly goal that they would trust God fully. Now, I want you to know that raising good and godly children is probably beyond the ability of any of us to do. But we can be willing in the hands of God and can make a difference that will change the course of life for the children, our grandchildren who follow us. And they can know and love God and pass it on to the next generations. Let's be that people. Amen? 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 We can be with God's help. Let's pray. Father, today we give you thanks that you are a father who loves all your children, a father who wants the very best for each one of us. Lord, whether we're 5, whether we're 15, whether we're 25, 35, 55, 75, you want the best for us. And Lord, help us now to share that story with each other, with our youth and with the children to follow. Help us all see we play a role in sharing that story. And Lord, we pray that we might all trust you fully. Give us grace, we pray, in this great adventure, in this great journey, in this great task. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning as the band leads us in the final song, maybe you want to spend some time praying for your family or praying for another family. The, kneel, the place to kneel here is before us. You might want to even make a place on the front row to pray. But let us pray and seek God that he might give us what we need in this great journey. Amen.